Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. Hey, guys. Hey, how you doing? We are here with the Halloween Spectacular. Ooh. <laughs> no, not really. We don't have any special sound effects or haunted house gimmicks, but we do have an exciting show about fall dating ideas and why you should date your partner just in general. So, uh, yeah, Samantha gave us a lot of good tips and uh, fun ideas for dating and why scientifically uh, it's good for your relationship. Pay attention to all the things she says. There's seven different topics or dates that you can go on. We'll have them added to our show notes page. But there are a lot of fun ideas and a lot of great ways to date your partner. Yeah, and then if you listen, we had a funny little thing in the show. But at the end, Sarah had a little what we would call brain fart. And she kind of started saying something and kind of, it was a long day. We have a one-year-old and she looked at me and I kind of just jumped in. But the reason we're kind of sharing, I mean, you probably won't even notice it, but I wanted to share because in the past, maybe my body language wouldn't be as good when something like that happened. Not that I'm, we're not professional podcasters at all, in case you haven't (laughs) realized, but you know, just from a relationship standpoint, doing the podcast has obviously taught us a lot when we're interviewing the people, but then just working together, any of you guys listening that that work with your partner in business, it, it can be quite difficult. And we're actually going to cover this topic uh, with some f- guests in the future. But with us, we've we've worked together on our stand-up paddle business, Water Monkey, Sarah actually came up with the name, and that was pretty much when we first started dating almost uh, eight years ago now. So there's definitely a lot of difficulties that a normal not or a couple that doesn't work together face, and this podcast is no different. Sarah and I are taking it on together. Sarah definitely carrying more of the workload at the start, and I'm trying to help more now, but you know, we're learning a lot about each other through through the cooperation that it takes to, to run a business. So I just wanted to kind of share that you, you don't see it. You, you may hear it, but it's probably not. But, you know, she, Sarah started to say something and we've all been there and our mind kind of goes blank. And, and yeah. the point is not that. The point is how, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, I didn't do anything that probably any healthy relationship a couple wouldn't do, an individual. But I, through trying to be more conscious about how we treat each other and just not even the verbal, but it's it's actually a lot nonverbal, especially when we're doing this podcast because we're sitting here talking and we're trying to focus on the guest and think about the next thing we're going to say and then when when the other person's talking 
we're getting nonverbal cues, I think it's it's actually huge and it's probably a great exercise for couples in working on their nonverbal communication. So enough about that. I just wanted to sort of share that because it was kind of interesting and want to know that we're not perfect. We're trying to work on it. And I guess when I do something good, I got to Pat yourself on <laughs> no, no, you could have easily, you know, looked at me and made me feel like, oh my gosh, how did you manage to do that? And you didn't. So that was nice. Made me feel accepted. Yeah. And that's important. So and I um, guess I have to leave it in now. I was going to edit it out, but <laughs> now that we've talked about it. <laughs> yeah. And I've, and I anticipated Sarah trying to edit it out and I anticipated <laughs> when I brought this up on our pre-show that she, which she actually was like shaking her head like no no don't talk about it but <laughs> you know we we are not we are not here to try to be perfect and uh we appreciate you guys listening through through the bumps and we're we're learning every day when with these interviews and and we love that you guys are getting stuff out of it because we're getting some positive feedback. We're certainly getting a lot out of it. And I uh, just wanted to share that story with you. Hope you guys have a happy Halloween and a uh, fall solstice, if they have that, whatever you celebrate. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. We're excited to welcome Samantha Burns to our show today. Thank you for joining us. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. The self-described millennial love expert, Samantha Burns is a licensed counselor and dating coach who works with couples and individuals across the country. Samantha has been featured as an expert contributor on sites such as Huffington Post, Women's Health, Brides, Elite Daily, and on media such as Inside Edition and The Today Show. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Sure. So I'm a licensed counselor. I'm in private practice and I also do dating and relationship coaching. And I'm located in the Boston area, but I work with couples and individuals across the country. And I myself am a millennial. So it's really fun specializing in millennial love issues just because our generation faces unique challenges and and changes, you know, over the course of time with technology and the way that dating apps and social media play into our relationships. So it's been fun dating and getting married myself and now working and helping clients through similar issues. Awesome. Well, I think we're millennials. We're both yeah. 30. What What is... Uh, yeah, I, you are a millennial. Yeah. yeah. What's the cutoff? Do you know? <laughs> so it's about 1984 to... 2004 it's kind of like a loose boundary and depending on where you go to different news sources it actually provides different information but that's the general that's the general reach so um you know there's people in college and then the older older ones are around 32 people always say this that you know like our generation's the best i'm not saying we're the best but i think it's pretty interesting the fact that we're basically the generation that was born without internet and coming into the connected internet age. And so we kind of have, I remember Facebook launched the year that uh, 
I was a freshman in college, so it's like me too, me yeah, too. Okay, yep. So there we go. So I remember signing up, and my roommate forced me to create a profile, and this was before I got spread out, you know, to the general public, and just it changed. It changed the way we interact. It changed the way we date. Goodness, I can even remember infidelity issues that were coming up with people in college where they saw a photo on Facebook of their partner with you know, someone else in the background or someone's clothing in the background and they're piecing together all these puzzles, things that didn't happen before. I mean, infidelity has always occurred, but just the way social media has changed the dynamics in our relationships, it's much different. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty incredible. And, and the future, I'm sure, is just going to get weirder. <laughs> More complicated. <laughs> More complicated. So there's a funny story that I was at an emotions and technology conference at Northeastern a couple years ago. And one of the researchers was presenting, talking about his daughter, who is about one or two years old. And she uses, you know, the iPad and is scrolling through watching videos. So one day she had done something wrong and he came in, you know, to scold something that she had done. And she looks up at him and she takes her fingers and makes the swiping motion as if to change <laughs> the screen. Wow. Um, and that blew my mind. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could not imagine. Hopefully our daughter doesn't do that. She's, she's <laughs> got a one year old too. And she's like, kind of experimenting with our phone doesn't really get the concept of it but if she did that i'd be like oh my gosh swipe us away well well, today uh we're not going to be focusing on too much on the tech side but we'll definitely um maybe have to have you back on to to go more into that but today we're going to zero in and talk about how we can use love research to get the most out of date night and i found an article that that you had written and being fall, um, it's very timely, and it was seven fun fall date ideas for couples. So I'd, I'd love to go through those, talk a little bit about them, and, and hopefully give our listeners some uh, some exciting stuff to do with their partners. Absolutely. So I'm all about the concept of dating your mate and really prioritizing your partner. So date night or a day date um, is really important to kind of keeping the spark alive, prioritizing your partner. And I wanted to come up with fun things that people could do to take advantage of the season. I'm here in New England. It's beautiful. All of the leaves right now are bright red and yellow and orange. And so just thinking about Halloween upcoming, it was fun to put these together. So a big part of these was that I pulled research from from science about why these are particularly good for your relationship. And a lot of them are based on brain science, which basically looks at the reward system in your brain. And we can activate that in different ways, whether it's through exercise, and I'll go through some of the other ways in the article. But it, it activates something called dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter that gets released. And it is that rush of that giddy, exciting feeling. And that was actually really activated in our brains when we start the falling in love process. And so over time, our body actually grows tolerant of our partner. And in fact, research studies have shown that the act of falling in love activates the same brain region of as addiction. So drug addiction or 
alcohol. And so it's interesting. We're addicted to our partner. So think of it. We almost grow tolerant to them, or physiologically grow tolerant to them, similar to we, the way we would to other drugs. And so it's really important to be able to activate that reward center and kind of get that giddy high with our partner that we did when we were first dating. So a few of the examples I gave in the article, the first one, uh, I suggested the go leaf peeping and look at the fall foliage. And when you do that, I personally love to go hiking with my husband. So we'll go out for a few hours of hiking and exercise and exploring the unknown and taking risks all activate that pleasure system in your brain, making you feel exhilarated. So exercise, and that could literally be, you know, go for a walk in the area, sign up for a fall 5K with your partner, do something to get you outside exploring nature and in the outdoors, but also uh, the exercise piece is important. Another one I talked about was apple picking. So this is something we have an annual tradition and we go out on a really sunshiny, beautiful day and we go to the orchards and it's just a fun time that we kind of feel like kids and we can play. A lot of couples, you know, obviously bring their children there, but it's just fun for us to go and climb up on those ladders and grab the apples and get apple cider donuts. And so when you're outside on one of those sunshiny days, sunlight has also been shown to make you happy. So especially for us in New England, I say soak it up before you go into winter hibernation mode because you won't see it or feel it for a while. And uh, I want an apple cider donut. That sounds amazing. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I've never heard of those. They come out hot and steamy, and the line, my husband estimated, was 800 people long this year. It was insane, but they come out fresh, and they taste, I mean, they're apple- and doughy and sugary and delicious. So those are very popular out here. How long did you wait in line? I mean, it was probably an hour. (laughs) But it's worth Worth it. it. We planned our day around it. So we weren't leaving without a donut. Um, Another date idea is pumpkin carving. So again, this can be fun, you know, whether or not you have children, you know, you know, you might be too old for trick or treating, but you're never too old to carve a pumpkin. So I encourage couples to get a little flirtatious and a little competition. So whoever creates the best pumpkin masterpiece should be able to win something, wink, wink. Um, and being creative actually allows us to relax and activate part of the brain associated with emotional response as well as the release of dopamine. So um, being creative, allowing yourself to have time to play and relax. Normally we're rushing around, we're so busy during the work week that we don't really tap into that state of mind and this can be really restorative and energizing for us as, as a couple. Another suggestion was a haunted house. So everyone loves those. I did one actually for the first time as a kid. I was terrified. There was one in my hometown and I never went to it. And so I went for the first time up in Salem, Mass, where all the Salem is a giant Halloween town because of the witch trials that happened there. So they go all out. There's hundreds of thousands of people that go and they have some really wild haunted houses and psychics and things like that. So the act of being startled and surprised, again, activates that reward center in your brain. So you're taking a risk. There's all this excitement. You're jumping into each other's arms. Then you can go out and laugh about how silly it was to be scared. And that just helps you rekindle the romance. 
Another one was the corn maze. So a lot of towns um, have those big corn mazes, and it really forces you to work as a team. And my challenge to couples are, you know, does your partner listen to your ideas? Do they get angry when you wind up in a dead end? Do they praise you for your great sense of direction? And there's actually research that says that negative communication patterns, such as criticizing your partner or getting defensive, have been shown to lead to breakups and divorce. So really making sure that you're supporting each other. And I also think this is a fun activity for couples who are newly dating because it allows you to see, you know, does your partner get stressed out? Can they laugh? Can they have a good time? It kind of helps you get to know them in in an unusual dynamic that you might not necessarily have going to dinner. I I think the corn maze should be like, you should have to do that when you're dating someone new or before you get married or before you get serious. Oh, yeah, because you'll learn a lot about another person and (laughs) and how you work together when, especially like, it should be like a legitimate maze, like hard. (laughs) Right. How they deal with stress, too. Like, some people could totally feel claustrophobic. I I think I would feel claustrophobic. And how you manage that, I mean, that might be an interesting... And then communicate. Communicating, like, yeah, it should have like, should be a requirement. I I like that idea. Absolutely. And just talking through this with you guys, a new trend that I've seen that would be the exact same rationale are those, like, those, I don't even know how to describe them. They're those rooms, a a room where you have to solve a murder mystery or some sort of clues. I know exactly what you're talking about. Escape room. An escape escape room? Yep, yep. And you got to, like, work together. There's one right right by us. Right, it can be really spooky. And you're given limited time and clues and, yeah, exactly the same type of thing where you're under pressure and your adrenaline's pumping and, you know, can you work together as a team? Are you at each other's throat? Are you starting to get yeah. annoyed with each other, rushing them through? So I that's think, a good test. I think we might be on to something here. Like, you're, <laughs> you're the dating coach, so maybe, like, you got to make your own maze or escape room and get the couples in there and, and uh, it'd be like a good study in communication. It's funny you said that because about a year ago, I had come across one that was opening in the Boston area, and I thought to myself that would be a fantastic <laughs> singles event that I could host. There you go. And then I thought, well, I'll do it around Halloween, and lo and behold, it's Halloween time a year later, but uh, I next have year. to write that down. Yes, next year, because it would be fun for both singles and couples. And it's funny, like I'm, I'm thinking back just to mentioning the stressful situations in the haunted house. When Sarah and I were, it was early in our relationship and, uh, I was a paddle, I'm still am a paddle boarder and, uh, we went out. She's looking at me like, you better not be telling this story. Long story short, we went out and we crossed this channel and it was pretty, pretty strong current and, and, uh, you know, I, I just kind of took for granted, like whatever. I didn't really think much about it. And we went through and it was just a little bit too much for Sarah at the time. And it, it was stressful for her. And mm-hmm. it, and then after, like, we got to the other side, like I helped her get to the other side. And she was pretty, you know, like scared, like it kind of spooked her because she was uncomfortable. And it was just, it was interesting because it was really just a side of her. And we've been together for at least a couple years that I had never seen and and I'm just thinking of this because obviously a haunted house, I mean, it's not real life, but it's kind of a simulation of something where it can bring you closer together. And, you know, I, I told her I'm sorry for, for putting you in that situation. I didn't realize, 
you know, it would make you that uncomfortable. But like then moving forward, I knew that about her. And then more than that, kind of like knew how to communicate uh, in that situation and after. Absolutely. That's, that's definitely really important. And, you know, your brain, sometimes it can go into fight or flight mode and you're in survival mode and you're not necessarily being rational or communicating as effectively as if you were in a calm state of mind. So it definitely plays into that. And I think that's just, that's why, you know, when you're dating someone early on or when you're really thinking about marriage and long term with them, being in all sorts of situations, that's why they tell couples to travel and do a trip. I mean, traveling, being in an unknown environment uh, for some people is really exciting. For other people, it's very stressful. So figuring out if you can travel together. Yeah, and I think that's super important. So we got corn mazes and, and paddleboard trips. And- yes. So there's two more fall ideas. So one is a, I suggested just a cozy picnic, you know, take out the plaid blanket and, and snuggle up as you enjoy some wine and cheese. And that's because physical touch is not only a popular love language, but it's also a way that we communicate our emotions such as love, gratitude, and happiness. Are you guys familiar with the love languages? Yes. Absolutely. Yep. So for for listeners, it's just the way that we like to give and receive love. And there's five main types. And, you know, there's a you can go to Google and Google couples love languages and it will come up with a free assessment that you can take or you can also access that from my ebook where I talk a bit more about that on my website. Yeah. And I, I will encourage our listeners we have before, but find out what your partner's love languages are and yours because it's hugely important for communication in a, in a good relationship. Right. And then just in time for next weekend, we have Halloween costume shopping at the end of the list. You know, head to the costume shop or the thrift store and just have a good time. Laugh together. Try on some wacky outfits. Laughing and smiling causes the brain to release that dopamine, making you feel happy. And actually, eHarmony in their study found that a sense of humor is one of the most desirable qualities in a partner. So it's good to let loose and reconnect. And you might just feel that spark that initially attracted you to each other. And if you're newly dating someone, this is even more important because there's actually 10 types of humor. So what you might think is funny, the person that you're dating might not think is funny at all. So this is a great way just to kind of shake out, do you guys have a similar sense of humor and find the same things funny? It's funny that you mentioned that because just, I think it was yesterday, Chase was like, let's watch a comedy. We always watch dramas and let's watch something funny. And so he, he put something on that he thought was hilarious. And I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> I think that's a really clear one. I think a lot of times when you do a funny movie that that's really, you know, can you sit through it? And if yeah. you don't enjoy it, sometimes just watching your partner have a good laugh yeah. Is you can suffer through it just to see them get a kick out of something, but that's really true. Um, so ultimately, I guess the point of this article is not only to inspire you, inspire you, but just to remind couples that boredom really is a silent relationship killer. So it's important to date, date your mate, surprise them, take advantage of the you know different seasonal activities. And just get creative in ways to boost that connection, intimacy, and happiness in your relationship. I think those are all great, great points. And for the record, it was Portlandia. And I think our listeners who have seen it will find it. It's a hilarious show. It is funny. 
but uh, <laughs> we, do, we do have different sense of humor on, on some things. And I think that's okay, right? doesn't mean we're incompatible. Not at all. For almost 10 years. Well, now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round. We'll ask you a series of questions and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. Okay. Uh, what is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? So I'm not sure if you hear this answer a lot, but in my couples therapy practice, I always talk to my clients about having an attitude of gratitude. So research has found that couples who express gratitude on a daily basis perceive their partners more positively. They feel more comfortable voicing their own concerns. They feel more loving and proud and satisfied in their relationship. And they also view their partners as more understanding, caring, and responsive. So there's so much research that says why gratitude is an amazing, effective tool in our relationship. So one assignment I like to give is for every night, a practice of gratitude where before bed, you each express appreciation for one thoughtful thing that your partner did that day. So it could be making dinner, they sent you a cute text, they ran an error for, an errand for you. And this really gets you to start being more mindful about doing nice things for your partner. And it increases the positive interactions you have. So you start looking forward to your gratitude practice nightly and you start kind of going out of your way to do something to make sure that you know your partner has something genuine and authentic they can share that night and thanks and appreciation yeah, i love that and it's just going to make you feel better just having gratitude for the things that you have in your life it's important to do it for your partner and and just everything uh that you have in your life because it's going to make you feel better on the inside Absolutely. And there's general gratitude research as well. So that information was what I just shared about about couples, but all of the gratitude research just talks about the increase in well being from practicing. And so my husband and I actually started something that I call like a marriage gratitude journal. So each day we write in it one thing that we're grateful for. And then at the end of the year we can flip through this really amazing journal full of these little, you know, glimmering moments, these little day-to-day things that is going to be so cool to look back in on a few years and each year we'll keep one. And we're just really excited about that. And it's something that's become a really special part of our, of our daily routine. That's a great tip. Another version of that that I've heard of is you write it on like a little piece of paper and put it in a jar, like a clear jar. And then you have like a visual of like all these things that you're grateful for, like kind of adding up and same thing, you can pull it out and, and read them. Well, I like that too, because when you have that visual, it kind of helps put things into perspective exactly. when you're annoyed with them or things aren't going well, or you're arguing and all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, is this a big deal? Can I let it go? What are all these great moments that we've just had together? Is there a book or resource you could recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationships? Well, I can actually recommend to them my free ebook. So, my ebook is on my website, which is lovesuccessfully.com, and it's totally free to download. And it basically gives you the secret ingredients to cook up a happy love life. So, I cover 10 things that you can do to increase the intimacy, connection, and love in your relationship. And it's really for any couple, whether, you know, it's not just high risk couples or couples who are. Um, you know, arguing and kind of miserable, it, it can really help anyone improve the quality of their relationship. And one of those tools is the gratitude 
um, amongst those 10 different tips in there. Great. Well, we'll be sure to add that to your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. Perfect. We've been married for almost two years now. Is there any advice you would give newlyweds? So for newlyweds and engaged couples, really any couples, I think kind of the big takeaway picture for me is realizing that you're a team. So arguments aren't about right and wrong, winning or losing. It's really about keeping in mind, which is hard, right, when you're sucked into the moment and you're upset about something, but keeping that bigger picture in mind that you should be working together and not against each other. So naturally, we all have perpetual problems that reoccur in the relationship, and they might not be solvable. They could be differences in personality and differences in lifestyle. So it's about how to manage these different problems and not let them tear you apart. So having the frame of mind, I guess, that you love this person more than anyone else in the world. So when you're caught up in all those negative emotions, take a step back and realize you're on the same team. What advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship? Oh my goodness. Gosh, I could go on and on. I guess for them, biggest piece of advice is A, never compromise on your values. But B, this actually, so it's called my perfect match theory. And I write about it in a book that I have that's going to be coming out this year for uh, how to survive a soul-crushing breakup and develop healthy skills to a happy dating life. It's called Breaking Up and Bouncing Back. And in it, I talk about the perfect match theory, which is this idea that our partner falls, everyone's partner could fall on a scale of from 1 to 100, with 100 being your perfect match. And if you're 100 on the perfect match scale, you're two peas in a pod, it's kittens and rainbows. Of course you argue, but it's over little things like what's for dinner rather than big core values, lifestyles, personality traits. And as you move down the scale, there are more and bigger things that you want to change about your partner, kind of shifting away from your ideal match. And because you can't control someone or change someone, it's important to recognize what it is that you wish was different and then ask yourself, can I accept this? Can I accept this for the rest of my life? So you can either choose to accept that or it's a deal breaker and you label it as such and you break up and you move on. So if someone is your 80% match and there's 20% of things that aren't ideal, it's your job to figure out are those deal breakers or can I live with them and not grow resentful. And so I really kind of help singles identify and think about this idea or sometimes I have people who have been in long-term relationships and they're struggling because they realize something is wrong and it might not be their perfect match. So how to kind of really reflect on that what might be a deal breaker in these bigger pictures because the last thing that I want is for people to invest time, energy, love, commitment, finances into a relationship when they have that little voice in there saying that it's not quite the right relationship but because they've put in so much of those resources, they feel like a failure, they're afraid of change, they don't want to face the reality that they should probably break up and a lot of times I see couples stay together for months or years and long marriages where neither partner is really happy because they've invested so much rather than it actually being the right match for them and I call those couples a status quople so like a status quo couple so I talk a lot about that but I think it's just like big picture when you're single and you're starting fresh and you get to decide who you're going to spend your life with 
it's a really important bigger concept to keep in mind that you shouldn't be with someone for superficial values or because you have, you know, hot, passionate sex, but more so because, you know, these bigger picture things align and that this partner falls high on your perfect match scale because no one wants to settle. Yeah. Don't be a status couple. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's a funny little term. Well, yeah, yeah that's great advice because, you know, listeners that are single or it, if you're a status couple, <laughs> you don't you don't want to compromise and you really got to kind of look within yourself and understand what your values are, what you really want. So you find someone high on that scale and that obviously we're going to make compromises. I think to have that perfect 100, 100 match is rare. But if you can understand your partner's not failings, but shortcomings or, or and accept that, then you'll be on a uh, good path forward. Absolutely. And no, that's true. Not everyone will find their perfect match. Um, and, and again, this isn't a perfect person, right? Because those don't exist, but it's just more so a perfect match for you. So some of those big items, right, are the things that matter most to you, like whether you want kids, the work-life balance, the lifestyle you want to live, the religion that you want to practice. When you can align some of those big things, we all go through struggles in life. So, you know, it feels like a little speed bump, not a giant pothole when you hit different problems because generally you align on the same wants, needs, values, beliefs, and it just makes life feel easier. So as you know, um, as most of the listeners know, all relationships require effort, but sometimes with the right person, in general, it should feel easy. No, I, I agree completely. I think it's so important to... Um... Yeah, to, well, easy. You said easy, and, and that's how I would describe our relationship. And whenever I think about it is that... It's just, it requires work, but, but it's easy. And so if it feels hard, I think you need to look, look into these things and, uh, and ask yourself these questions. Absolutely. And you know, I, that's just like a three minute overview of all of those concepts and they're big concepts. So it's something, you know, obviously I can talk much more in depth about, and I really enjoy working around those types of topics, um, you know, with my, with my clients. Well, we've really enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. So they can find me on my website at lovesuccessfully.com. And then I really love Instagram and Facebook where my handle is at lovesuccessfully or slash lovesuccessfully. And then I'm also on Twitter at love underscore expert underscore Sam and on Instagram, I'm always showing, you know, behind the scenes things of my business and my relationship with my husband and offering up articles and research on all those different channels. So it's a really fun way to connect with me. Our listeners can find all the information and links to today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And again, thank you so much for your generous knowledge and for taking the time to come on our show today. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list.
Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love? 